0: Welcome to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and this week we celebrate the films of 1967. Now, in case you didn't know, 50 years ago was one of the finest years in the history of cinema. The Graduate, Bonnie and Clyde, In the Heat of the Night... Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Camelot, Cool Hand Luke. The list is long and endless. (laughs)
1: And I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. Not only was 1967 a monumental year in film history... But it was also the year that some of the most beloved wineries and wines in the world started. This week, we will toast wineries and wines celebrating their 50th anniversary this year.
0: A lot of good stuff happened 50 years ago. Who knew? You know what happened 50 years ago? The Graduate happened 50 years ago with Dustin Hoffman. Isn't that crazy? Directed by Mike Nichols. uh, That movie... That movie, nobody really knew what to do with it when it came out. And we were all infatuated w- w- with that film. I was, I was young and I didn't quite understand all of it, but you know, it's about angst and it's about not knowing what to do with your life. And then it's, you know, about falling in love and having an affair with an older woman and everybody's messed up in it and interesting and that's where we first used used the term plastics the future is all about plastics <laughs> uh, the graduate cost um, somewhere in the neighborhood of movies back then cost usually between about a million and a half to three million dollars all all the big ones mm-hmm. and uh, it made well over a hundred million wow it was it, it was a huge hit and and i I look back at the graduate as being probably one of the Definitive movies, when you think about movies, there's a bunch of them in 1967. Mm-hmm. We'll have a few more, but, but movies that kind of define the time that the time was, we're in the middle of the Vietnam War. It was really heating up in the Vietnam War in 1968, especially. And, and audiences were starting to change their habit of what movies look like. And you could get away with more mm-hmm. back then. We were getting out of censorship and into, Let's let's show things push more the, and push yeah. the envelope a little bit more, and not be as corny and a little bit more European mm-hmm. and a little bit more avant-garde. Which
1: this film was kind of shot in, I think, much more of a European,
0: very European to me aspect. I think a lot of these big films mm-hmm. uh, were shot that way mm-hmm. because the the European influence was really, you know, we 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 had John Ford doing the big John Wayne westerns, right, and we had these big filmmakers. So You
1: still had these big epics, yes, but there were also
0: But you also had, hey, I want to play with what's going on, and I'm troubled about the culture, and I'm troubled about the war, and we can reflect that in the stories we're telling. Not everybody has to wear pearls when they vacuum like they did on TV. So we can actually tell the truth and be a little bit tougher.
1: What did What did Simon and Garfunkel make for that for for their song? Well,
0: I don't I don't know. Because that's
1: become like one of the most iconic songs, yeah. also. Of, uh,
0: Mrs. Robinson, yeah, yeah, of all time. Oh, it's one. Of, also, none of those songs were nominated for an Academy Award. Really? And in fact, a film we're going to talk about later actually won uh, um, one for best song that had absolutely. Nowhere being in the same room with Mrs. Robinson. (laughs) And at one point, Paul Simon actually said to me, I was backstage at an event with him and I asked him about the music of, of why wasn't it, why didn't it win an Oscar? And he looked at me with fire in his eyes, still angry and said, because we never entered it. Oh, I don't know how that works. But it didn't happen. Bonnie and Clyde was also 50 years ago, and I think that's very European. Mm -hmm. Bonnie, we we had not seen violence in movies like that, and that end scene was so shocking at the time, where where they, you know, the death scene of Bonnie and Clyde in the in the big car but also just how sexy and sultry she was. They were getting away with stuff Mm -hmm. that censors were, you know, there was a lot of talk of whether she was topless in this movie or not, whether you could see a little side shot of her or not. I mean, just that they're talking about Mm -hmm. it was really fascinating. There's a scene where he shoots the gun through the back of the car and shoots a man in the face. That had never been done. That was shocking at the time. And Bonnie and Clyde were shocking. Mm -hmm. You know, they were much beloved in Texas and Louisiana and Oklahoma, but they were also... Top killers, right. and they did a lot of bad stuff. But the, the movie, all three of these movies I love, The Graduate, Bonnie and Clyde, but I loved Cool Hand Luke as a kid because he sat there in his prison.
1: I don't think I've ever seen Cool Hand Luke. What, what? is
0: what is that about? <sighs> it's Paul Newman who gets drunk one night and, and takes a big wrench and cuts the top off a bunch of parking meters and then sits there on the ground, and he's just being reckless. He's not trying to do a crime. He's not stealing money. And they put him in prison and they put him for a long time and he, he becomes an escape artist and he gets caught every time and thrown in the cooler, he gets caught thrown in the cooler. And at one point, the George Kennedy actually won the Oscar for supporting actor for that. But it, it was, it was just one of the coolest films about getting out of prison, trying to escape and the camaraderie of a bunch of men, uh, working the line. It's like the early Woody Allen, take the money and run. They're all chained together on a chain gang, and they're working the line. And you've got Struther Martin saying, you know, if you get caught smoking in the prone position, you're going to spend a night in the individual box. And more iconic lines came out of that movie. Uh, We're going to watch that some night. Mm -hmm. At one point, they have a contest in in the prison where he says, George Kennedy said, no one can eat 50 eggs. And Paul Newman said, I can eat 50 eggs. So they hard-boil 50 eggs, and he sits there and eats them all. 50 hard-boiled eggs. I can eat 58.
1: <laughs> so that,
0: the, the Graduate, Bonnie and Clyde, Cool Hand Luke doesn't that those are all in the same year and those are r- record-breaking uh, groundbreaking I think films really there's a, a, a lot of great quality I think in those three films.
1: Fun. Yeah. Fun. Um so that year and yeah. this will actually pair with our first film The Graduate um for a California Dreamer because the graduate took place in LA. The, I think the opening shot has Mm -hmm. him coming into LAX. So, um, Chapelet Winery in Napa Valley on Pritchard Hill. Um, Don and Molly Chapelet moved from Beverly Hills. Wow. To San Francisco. He had, uh, he was a fifth generation Californian founder of the first company to sell vending machines that made coffee from coffee grounds. Needless to say he did very well especially when he sold it. Wow. <laughs> so sold the company, followed his passions, moved to Napa Valley, started Chapelet. Um I want to say they had five kids, took all five of their kids and kind of with that hope to to both follow passions in wine but also a little bit like we talked about with the Lasters, kind of have a, mm-hmm. a a little bit more of a small town kind of uh, atmosphere for their kids. Fell in love with Pritchard Hill, and if you think about what's on Pritchard Hill now, that's Colgan and Brand. There's such great great wineries that are making wine up on Pritchard Hill in Napa Valley. Um, but they were kind of one of the earliest ones, and and really bec- because they they saw the value of. Of those those hillsides and and what the slope does, and you know I think that we've talked a lot about Jackson Family Wines, and and Jess Jackson kind of had that same philosophy of wanting to be on on hillsides and mountains and slopes because when you when you have mountain fruit, it's just a different kind of fruit. The the flavors that that come out. Um, versus valley floor fruit, fruit. Yeah. I think you really get the toa and the, the, the land really shines through so much more in, in hillside and mountain fruit and, and Pritchard Hill in particular. And I think Chapelet over the years has done just an incredible job. They have some of the most beloved Napa Cabernet. Beautiful Cabernets been produced. So they've had the same winemaker now for over two decades. That's Philip Corillo Titus, and he has um, Titus is his brand also with his brother. That they, you know, he uh, incredible, such a gifted gifted winemaker. Um, I want to say they have their, the kids are all working in the winery and then they've had, you know, their kids. So it's a, a very much a big family. Multi
0: generational. Exactly. Which, yeah, is, nice. which is
1: pretty cool and, and, and awesome that they can, they can, you know, be celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. And, and we had Robert Mandavi was kind of the, the big, First anniversary, which his fiftieth was last year, and obviously I know there were many wineries that were in Napa before that. But it's kind of nice to see some of these families and and the 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 kind of names that we've come to know and and just are so beloved. Yeah. Um and they're celebrating one of, these, yeah.
0: these great anniversaries. And how do you say it, Chapallet? Chapelle. Chapelet? Chapelet? Yeah, that's how you say it. I've always mispronounced it. Chapelle. Well, that makes it, there it is. Yeah, it's a C H. Not Chapelet. Chapelet. Okay, now I can get it right. Okay, three more films. Uh, In the Heat of the Night was 1967, and that was Rod Steiger and Sidney Poitier. In fact, let's do three Sidney Poitier yeah. films real quick. Uh, Sidney Poitier had 1967, changed his whole entire life. Yeah i mean I, I I think he was nominated all three times were
1: all three of these films made at the same time, or had they held any of them to be released i don 't know, but
0: usually they wouldn 't hold them for very long, yeah. so they were all made within the year previously uh and then you know uh, statically released. But In the Heat of the Night ended up winning the Oscar in 1967. Mm-hmm. It beat The Graduate for Best Picture. And it's Rod Steiger as the racist cop in a small town and Sidney Poitier, the city cop who comes to help solve a murder mystery. And uh, he just gets thrown racist shade all day long. Mm-hmm. And everywhere he goes, and finally he grabs him and they, you can call me Mr. Tibbs is one of the great lines. Uh, I I think this is an extraordinary film. I don't think it lives up as much as some of these other films do. Uh, It's starting to look a little dated from 50 years ago, but boy, back in the day um, they were saying things and doing things in 1967, which was still very much a segregated culture Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, they did it on film and they got away with it and it spoke the truth. Poitiers is a giant to me. Mm-hmm. A giant of an actor and a human being. And this character is a giant to me. And he changes Rod Steiger. Mm-hmm. It changes him. Uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner came out. Once again, saying the whole thing, it's, it's a, it's a girl comes home and, and the parents are Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. And, uh, and they bring an African American and it's Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. Guess who's coming to dinner? And that, uh, this film to me holds up. And Spencer Tracy at the end of this movie does one of the most remarkable speeches of just what it is to have you in our home, how we're glad to have you in our home, how we don't see color. Come on, now let's go in and have dinner. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's a poignant speech because about four weeks later, Spencer Tracy died, Hmm. and uh, Katherine Hepburn has never been able to watch the film when she was alive because it choked her up. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a scene where he gives that speech. They do a cutaway of her crying, and she's crying because she knows that's the end of the movie, and he's probably not going to live much longer. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on in that movie. It's also an astounding, astounding, it's fantastic. Film. And then he did a little teacher movie called "To Sir with Love" with pop star Lulu, who sang the song "To Sir with Love," which was number one on the charts in England and America. And he's he's in a tough part of England in London, and he's teaching all these unruly kids. It's a really funny movie. Now it doesn't hold up quite as much, but at the, back in the day, I probably saw it five nights in a row. Wow! As a little kid. Wow! Growing up, so. Here we go, Sydney Poitier, In the Heat of the Night, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner to Sir Would Love... All, 1967.
1: Incredible. I think just incredible to see what, you know, to see the actor as he is now and and what he, so much of what he he has done just for for the entire industry is. is,
0: He he means a lot to a lot of people. Exactly. He means a lot to me.
1: Exactly. Um, So, for the great Sidney Poitier, um, one of my favorite Chardonnays from one of my favorite vineyards. So, um, Dutton Ranch. In California is celebrating 50 years of having planted their Chardonnay vineyard.
0: Wow. 50 years ago,
1: which is pretty interesting. The actual, um, ranch was purchased in 1881 by Warren Dutton. And then, um, the first 200 and, and it was the first 200 acres of their, of their actual, um, Ranch right. in Santa Rosa, and then um, it, it was farmed more just for, like, orchard fruits and that sort of thing. Prunes, you know, back back in the day, most of Northern California was orchard fruits, lots of plums, lots of peaches, lots of prunes. Prunes. Um, the family had
0: a— Is that where we ordered prune grams? I'm just kidding. Prune grams were big when I was a little. I don't Good order a prune gram. Stuff. Sorry. Okay. Poor attempted humor.
1: Um So, they, uh, and they used to have a farm stand on the side of the road, which was kind of cool. Um, nice. Then in 1964, um, Warren Dutton Jr., the great grandson of Reed Dutton that had been the brother of Warren Dutton, there's lots of family here.
0: That's a lot of lineage. Um,
1: married Gail, and they bought 35 acres on the ranch to uh, join to the ranch. And they planted their first Chardonnay vines in 1967. As I said, it was also the year that their oldest son, Steve, was born. And now they have two boys. Both of them work the ranch. Gail is still very involved. I believe that her her husband has passed away at this point. But um there's some great great dutton ranch chardonnays, and especially Dutton ranch sells a lot of chardonnay fruit to and and Pinot Noir fruit, but um, Chardonnay fruit to to wineries throughout California but they also have many wineries that have a vineyard designate Dutton Ranch Chardonnay wine. Patsenhall being one. That, Hall. that we just love. That's Mc, a Dutton Ranch. McRosty okay. makes one. Chapelet actually uses um, Dutton Ranch. Chapelle and, and their Chardonnay, but there's a Kistler Dutton Ranch. Wow. There's a Lewis um, Duckhorn's Migration has a Dutton Ranch. So some some pretty special special wines um, from this really really incredible
0: fruit. Set, I like that years. Sydney Poitier. In the heat of the night, guess who's coming to dinner to serve with love 50 years ago and Dutton Ranch. Planted,
1: Chardonnay.
0: Planted at Chardonnay. <laughs> hey, when we come back on Cogill Wine and Film a Perfect Pairing, more films from 1967 and more wine, including the award-winning musical Camelot and the Truman Capote thriller In Cold Blood. We will be right back. Welcome back to Cogill One and Film a Perfect Pairing. As we look back on one of the best years in the history of film, and the year was, of course, 1967. And yes, it's been 50 years since Richard Harris, Vanessa Redgrave, and the very weird and odd Franco Nero played King Arthur Guinevere and Sir Lancelot in Camelot. I'm a big fan of Camelot. We saw a print of this the other day and watched the whole movie together. It's fake snow. It's Guinevere. It's got a lot of makeup on. <laughs> he has lots of... He <laughs> everyone does. Everyone
1: has lots of makeup on. And it
0: just works. It's Lerner and Lowe. It was a great Broadway musical, mm-hmm. originally with Richard Harris and Julie... An- uh, not Richard. Originally, Richard Burton and Julie Andrews mm-hmm. did it on Broadway. But Richard Harris and Vanessa Redgrave, of all people, playing Guinevere in the oh, musical she version. Oh, was great. For film. And the film <laughs> was nominated for multiple Oscars, including, I think it won Best Costumes, her dress. There's a dress that she wears, Well, she's got the weird. It's May. It's May. The lusty month of May dress. It's May. But that kind of it's gold May. dress when she gets married lusty is is, is really kind of a a, a legendary dress. She I, had lots of furs. She had lots of furs, and there were lots of dogs. There, <laughs> there's dogs in almost every scene. There,
1: there are like ten dogs in every scene. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Inside Camelot. Yes. it is a lot of dogs. And, and lots it, of furs. Then it becomes this big thing where Lancelot comes in, and it's the formation of the round table, and he's a knight, and he heals a guy, so he has powers, I guess. <laughs> Maybe the Transformers helped him with that. <laughs> Maybe the Transformers <laughs> helped him in The Last night. I don't think so. Lancelot would kick a Transformer's butt. <laughs> but it's so odd because it, that whole scene where he sings, uh, um, if if ever, ever I would, I would leave, leave you, you, is all in tight close-ups oh, on yeah. Franco Nero's face. You can see every pore, and it's, and then it becomes this tragedy <laughs> yes. of just you know being the you know, the wrong guy with the wrong woman, it's busting bad. up a marriage. It's all bad. It's all bad. So can I move to Doctor Doolittle? Okay, <laughs> because we talked earlier uh, uh, about uh, about uh, all the music in, in – um in the Graduate, mm-hmm. Doctor Doolittle won all the music awards. <laughs> and, and listen, I kind of liked Doctor Doolittle as a kid, but I recognized that it wasn't very good. Uh-huh. And you watch it now, and all these animals and creatures all look fake, and they are. <laughs> and he goes out in the ocean, and a big snail, yes. you know, and travels across the ocean. The movie costs $19 million in 67. Wow. It was such a high, outrageous, over-the-top budget. Rex Harrison was very difficult to work with. He worked with animals all the time. He got tired of it. He hated it. He said he'd never ever do it again. And the film probably only made about $6 million. <laughs> It was a huge (laughs) bust, critically reviewed horribly, but they did a big ad campaign. This is the start back in the day of Uh when the Oscars come around. They do a big push, and it got all these Oscar nominations, including Best Picture. Wow. It was just nonsense. And it was nonsense in the day when it happened, and it feels like it now. And then Redford uh, did a little film with Jane Fonda back in the day called Barefoot in the Park, which was also a Broadway play before, Mm -hmm. and it starred Redford on Broadway. So he does the movie, but they bring in Jane Fonda, who in 1967 and 68, Jane Fonda eventually became just much reviled by a lot of veterans in this country because of what she said. But she was kind of an ingenue before mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. She went on to win two Oscars and make some great films. But I like her in this. It's really goofy. They live in a 10-story walk-up. Um, barefoot in apartment. came from a, a, a line that was said— um, you know, I'll, I'll go anywhere. I'll go barefoot in the park for you. But it's really about a young couple who fall in love and get married and are trying to find their way. And it's just really light and breezy and very, very cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan of all these films. I like barefoot. A Camelot. Camelot's the one that jumps out for me. And when it comes on television now, I still stop down Yeah. because I. And Merlin's weird in the film.
1: Very weird. He's got uh, his—he's got big eyebrows.
0: Yes. He has <laughs> grooming issues. Major grooming issues for Merlin.
1: So, we'll pair our wine with Camelot because we do Promise? both love it so much. So, I'm going to say when you think of Camelot, you think of, of this very magical, mystical, stately English castle. And then you think of Vanessa Redgrave. Flouncing around, flanc- flouncing around on the lusty month of May.
0: Yes.
1: And it's actually the, what I think the perfect pairing is if you go to Chateau Saint Michel to one of their summer concerts, yes. that's like the best pairing because inside the, the Chateau walls, it looks like this gorgeous, Chateau, either out of Bordeaux or mm-hmm. at a great English castle. It is so beautiful. And then you go and hang out on the lawn at one of their awesome summer concerts. And it kind of reminds me of, of going to May Day. It does. <laughs> with Vanessa Redgrave. That's awesome. So they are celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. Um, started under the legendary winemaker Andre Telichev. Um, was one of the, was their inaugural winemaker, really with the goal to prove that great wine isn't only made in Europe or in California. They, uh, kind of wanted to, to create a new line of premium wines. Um, the original name was Chateau or Saint Michel Vintners. Um, founding fathers really set out to prove that, that Washington was going to be this great wine region. And I think they have. They planted their first vineyard, um, which was Cold Creek in 1972, um, producing just incredible. Their Cold Creek Cabernet is one of, of the best. Um, their Rieslings, I think also are, are some of the, the most celebrated in the United States. Um, and, and from their start, thanks to, to very smart owners, They have, I think their, their entire line of wines, the, the other properties that are in their portfolio are, are also just some of our favorites, including North Star and Col Solari. And Stags Leap Wine Cellars and their wow. partnership with Antonori and Erath and Willamette Valley and their purchase of Patson Hall last year. They're they're very very smart businessmen. As as Ted Basler, their their GM has has always noted that he likes to have everything as a string of pearls, so that um, kind of each individual pearl is able to shine. So each winery kind of operates on its own, allowing the winemaker and and the vintners and everyone that works with that particular winery to really kind of do their thing with the kind of home office being letting all the kind of paperwork be handled through through the home office, but but allowing each one of these individual wineries really to shine. And and I'm I'm a fan. I've always really enjoyed enjoyed their wines and and love having an opportunity to go to the chateau because I think their wines get better and better. They do. I well they do. I, I think it's also you think about any of these regions any any especially wine region in the US. We are still a very young wine country especially mm-hmm. when you compare it to many of our our old world favorites, you know. Bordeaux's been making wine for a long time. And so I think as as soils continue, you know, vineyards continue to to mature and change and and different kind of clones might be used or or uh, we're figuring out what should be planted here versus there. I I just think that that we're going to continue to see really yeah. great things from from every part of the U.S.
0: Your favorite concert at Chateau Saint Michel? Well, we to.
1: love going to see Lyle Lovett. That's Lyle always it. that's always Lyle Lovett and large band is we've always. We've never
0: we've never seen a bad concert there, but we had a difficult night. We did. We saw for Randy, Randy Newman, Newman because it downpoured the entire it show. It
1: Poured down rain. And, and you <laughs> sat back in the tent. I did and drank a nice glass of of. Um, of Horse Heaven Hills yes. uh, uh, Savion Blanc one and of I my sat other out, favorites
0: I sat out in the rain with a tarp on me you did and just watched him sing weird songs because I love Randy Newman because short people they yeah. just they just got no reason okay let's do uh, let's do two films here uh, let's do two really difficult films uh in cold blood and wait until dark both of these films scared the daylights out of me both of them hold up today both of these i think in cold blood is as good today as it was then because it's based on that true murder mystery of the clutters that were killed in kansas and it follows it's based on truman capote's book mm-hmm. about a real life murder mystery and they found the guys and he went to, he went where they were in prison before they were executed for killing a family uh innocent family and uh and uh, and interviewed them for his book, and he gets under the skin of why they did what they did and who they are and what their what their whole lives their miserable lives were like, and it's really one of the great I think literary works along with, you know Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird and they were best friends mm-hmm. they helped each other in researching their book but In Cold Blood works, and you know, and and if you want it if you want to see a, a movie that's all encompassing that begins with a crime and goes to a court case and goes. To the end, the finale, which is putting these guys out of their misery um, and all of us out of our misery with them, um, that, that it, it's a complete process. And I think this film gets it right and gets it smart. Wait until dark with Audrey Hepburn as a blind woman in a home in an apartment, and uh, a bunch of drug dealers are trying to get into her apartment because mm-hmm. they've hidden drugs in her apartment. And she doesn't know about it, and and it. There's a scene in there that makes me fly out of my chair and scream for bloody murder. And when I saw it in college at the University of Oregon, I was too afraid to walk to my car. Isn't that great? great. It just just scares – it. and Audrey Hepburn. It's Audrey Hepburn, and it was also a stage play. That still runs on stages and still they do revivals on Broadway mm-hmm. every once in a while and makes everybody in the audience still scream. So these, these are, these are films to me that really, really hold up. The Exorcist is the scariest film I've ever seen. I think the second most frightened I've ever been in a movie for the first time when I saw it was Wait Until Dark. Hmm. That scares the ever loving daylights. I think both, this is 1967. They were breaking new ground on things. Yeah. They could do things you couldn't do in movies, and in Cold Blood, I think especially reflects it. These are great things. Nice, yeah. nice.
1: Okay, for dark films, dark, really dark. We're gonna go with a hearty red wine. Let's do. And it's actually it's more of a of a region that is celebrating a kind of anniversary. So Brunello di Montalcino in in Tuscany, uh, fifty years ago they created their consortium to kind of relegate and, and regulate, sorry, um, r- regulate and, and, and manage the way that different, um, how the vineyards would, would be farmed, how the wineries would, would, um the quality standards that mm-hmm. that the the wineries would maintain in order to call itself a DOCG Brunello de Montalcino and so 50 years ago a group of wineries all came together and vintners came together and created their consortium that has maintained itself and and really Put Brunello on the map, as, and it
0: controls quality.
1: It's it's kind of a, a
0: regulating body. Is it like a homeowners association? Well, so you can't come in and build a McMansion and yeah, a really cool. You have to exactly. You have to district. exactly.
1: You have to you have okay. to kind of follow these their their rules and their guidelines, right. and and it's everything from from the largest wineries to to the smallest ones, and. You know banffy is is one of the mm-hmm. if you think of of great Brunellos there're uh, for every price point there there is something from frescobaldi to to Banffy to um Piscini is one of the the kind of lo- less expensive ones but there're you know brunellos can 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 be anywhere from around forty to fifty dollars to three hundred to five hundred dollars and they're they're just some of the most Beautiful wines, I think, coming out of 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 Italy and and out of that region in particular. So nice. it's a, kind of a, a nice, but but a big hearty, you know, it's a food wine. So that for these dark,
0: hard in cold films. blood, wait until dark. Good red wine from Piedmonti from uh, Tuscany. Tuscany, yes. Did I get confused there for a minute? Yes. Okay. Well, you've been there. I have not. So this is good stuff. This is really fun to do. Next week on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, we're going to get back to looking at some of the more recent releases. And as always, every good film or even bad film deserves a better bottle of wine.
1: I like that for more. (laughs) On the wines and films we talked about today, please visit our blog on CogillConsulting.com or through Facebook. Follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And see what we're drinking now by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas and
0: And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and as usual, I'm looking for the next great film. And
1: I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine.
0: Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.